Praise God. Somebody give God a praise right now. Give God a praise. Praise God. Matthew 24. In fact, you can be seated. You can be seated, please. I believe we're going to start this year right. So how do I do that? I want to tell you folks tonight, I wrestled with my spirit. And I thought, God, I am not going to give them any more new information beside. Let's go dig up the whole treasure chest. Amen. I'm asking every one of you, go dig up your DVD, your CD, your VHS, and go back many, many years and get those information that we talk about the time we're living in. Because if you don't, you don't understand. You know, when you're asleep or you wake up <laughs> and you arrive at a place, you don't know the journey you've been through. But if you've been awake all that time, you know where you've been and where you're at. Now, uh, at night time when a pilot flies a plane, he can't see. I used to hope in, in pilot training that I'd drop it low down so you can see the ground. But not so. It's way above. You can't see it below. You've got to fly by instrument. They cannot see the ground. All they can see is a blip, the blip, the blip on the radar. All they can see is instrumentation. And one pilot told me, you trust the instrument. You never go by your emotion. He said, your emotion will lie to you. You'll think you're going up when you're going down. You'll think you're going down when you're going up. He said, you got to watch the altimeter. It tells you if you're going up, going down. And those instruments are well calibrated. When you say yes then, you're going to be disoriented. Now you can imagine if the power goes out and the power don't have no backup system, you can imagine the tragedy for the poor guy. He won't know where he's at. He's in mid-air and he can't tell if he's over Europe <coughs> or North America or Caribbean. He can't tell. There's no way to tell. Unless it's daylight. Unless he's been trained to recognize the landmass and mountains and sea. And most pilots today don't go through that anymore. And that's why they're not good when things fail. But the old timer, one guy landed on the river. Remember that guy? They made us a trophy of that thing. He landed that plane. He glided that plane. He ran out of fuel. And he landed right on the ocean there or on the river, whatever it was, but he knew how to bring it down. He was a glider. He could go by the landmass. He could tell where he was. Now, we got to know what time it is. We got to know what time it is. Jesus spent a lot of time telling his disciples, do not be deceived and don't be snared. Now, I'm not a hunter, but all you hunters should know what a snare means. I've been, been hunting before. Anybody been hunting? What's a snare? You guys didn't go hunting before? Never been hunting? What's a snare? It's a trap. A snare is a trap that gives you a false feeling about the environment. It looks like everything is normal, natural, but it could be a booby trap that either descend in a hole or a clamp get a hold of your leg. Or a switch that pull you up and hang you up by the by your hind leg. Those things happen. A snare. 
Matthew 24, I want to get your Bible. If you go to Matthew 23, I want you to observe here, this book is put together very effectively. 23rd chapter, and I, and I, I wish you guys would go back 10 years, 15 years, you know, in, in teaching on the end time, because back then, we were not seeing what we're seeing today. In fact, go back to 1980. I got things I could not show you today. You'd laugh at me. You say, this is outdated, Pastor Neil. This is common knowledge. I mean, barcodes coming in and, 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 and Castle Society and uh, Big Brother watching and all that stuff. People laugh at the idea, and now we are assimilating in the, in the concept. And we don't even think about it. We just fall for it. The chip system. We're all part of the chip system. Give me your PIN number. Right? You know, PIN, P-I-N, one of these days the P will come an S. Your SIN number. And you do have one. You got a social insurance number. And they want that. They said, don't give it to anybody. Because that number talk a lot about you. Tell you where you are, where you live, and if you're an immigrant or not, or you belong to here. Nazi Germany used that to capture a lot of Jews. And the Jews are good at keeping records of their background and he used that to find them <laughs> in all the countries of the world and went to scour them out because of the record was kept now you've got to know where we are today in our life you've got to know where we are now some people go through life and they never plan for their future they don't plan for the future there are homeless people today who are out there that freeze and they will not live through this winter they're going to be out there and they're going to die because they cannot, <laughs> like the crows, even endure the weather. And they, there's no place to go. Now, all that happened is they did not plan for winter. They could. Now, I don't believe that those guys are helpless and hopeless and worthless. I believe they chose, chose not to make provision for the future. And then they become... In our eyes, victim, but they're not victim. They're reaping what they really sow. They they chose a certain lifestyle as a certain endpoint. It's predictable, and, and, and they're dying every year. They die, and they know they're going to die, and they still do it, and they don't think much of it. And there's no need for anyone to feel guilty about their situation, because that's a that's a learned helplessness. So learn situation where some don't want to work, some chose not to work, some get money and splintering. But here the Bible is trying to tell us something here that you need to know where you are in God's economy. You've got to know. Now here. There should be any left because I just prayed a while ago. Releasing myself here. But uh, the Lord wants us to know what time it is. There's a group called the Issachites in the Bible, a tribe. They knew what time it is. They have an understanding of the times. And they knew what Israel should do based on a given place in time. Israel never used it. Israel never take these kids right now and if I take them into a room and begin to discuss with them 
okay, you know, later on, you're going to, you're going to work, you got to work 8, 20, 40 hours a, a month or whatever, you have to do all this, and look at me on that. And if I try to equate their present schooling with their future, they will not believe a word I say. Most of them. They can't see it on the road. They can't see the connection. And so they don't realize that opportunity is not always the same as you grow older. As you grow older, all the head does drops off. All the government support disappears. And now they left you on your own and said, you got to do this. In fact, you got to pay taxes. We don't use taxes to cover you. You pay taxes now to cover yourself and others, right? And so not many kids understand. I, know, I was one of them. I couldn't wait to leave school. When I left school, I realized now, wow, there's a big responsibility out there. i got to go work. I couldn't look I did it in my classroom. I couldn't be idle. I couldn't stop off. I, I had to pay attention to my obligation on the job. I, you know, give attention to my commitment. Otherwise, I'll be unemployed. It's not that a school was going to kick me out and I go for another school somewhere. This is now my, my livelihood is threatened. And so God wanted us to understand where we are in time. So I'm asking you, go back in your record. You don't need to be out of the Epicureans looking for some new information. You don't need new information. You need to go back and understand what God gave you. Jesus Christ didn't bring nothing new. He kept saying, going back to Moses and the prophets. He's going back to try to get them to think back about what they already had. All he wanted to understand was its fulfillment. He did everything to make sure they understood it's being fulfilled. And I'm asking you to go back 10, 20 years and see what you know about the intent. And that's the question. Are you seeing that today? Amen. So, you can see that there's a correlation here between uh, not just getting new knowledge, but not doing anything about it, but go back to the old knowledge and some money. I remember when these things were told to me, it didn't seem possible, but now they're materializing in my eyes. Let's worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, in the tw- I want to show you where we are. If you ask us, we should be able to answer this, where do we all start it out? Everyone wants to say Genesis. That should be a gift. We all start out in Genesis. Please, not some amoeba or, or that madness. No. We start out in Genesis, chapter 1. That's where we started. And anything that started will come to an end. Unless it's eternal. Now, time is not eternal. There was no time in Genesis chapter 1 until God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. God made an envelope called time. With those time come seasons. And he said they're for signs and wonders. Are we seeing those signs and wonders? God told Noah after the flood... He said, look, after the flood, he said, look, the seasons will remain. I'm going to make sure there's winter, 
summer, autumn, and whatever, the fourth season. They're going to be here still because they are going to be used of God to let you know what time it is. Those seasons tell me what time it is for the year. It says winter time. Then after winter come what? Spring. After spring come what? Summer. Then comes autumn, winter. So it's telling you what time it is. And we know it quite well, we've learned it quite well, that we can even discern the sky. We can tell what weather is going to be like. On my iPhone and yours, it gives you a seven-day prophetic forecast. Most time they're right because there's some natural laws that God obeys. And those natural laws always work the way God set them up. And God's not trying to play a game with us. I mean, God supposed to have dominion over them, to subdue them and use them for our purpose, right? But they tell us what time we are in. And God talk about Israel and the world can discern the sky, but can determine what time it is. Now, you may take it very lightly, but... <laughs> There are people that one time, you and I know, that are not here today. And they knew not their time. One of the most powerful things that I find is when the prophet was told, this, this king, prepare to meet thy God. Such a house in order. Amen. You're trying to give a little hint here about his time frame. That he was to his house in order. So you need to know what time it is and where we are. Now, if you know what time it is, if you have to pay mortgage, and the mortgage coming due. <laughs> now, if you want to keep your house, you better have the payment ready. <laughs> you can delinquent it for one, two, three months, and you're going to be out and become homeless too. So you know that mortgage payment is coming up, and there's something you have to do to make sure you got that payment taken care of. And all the temptation in the world to spend that on little stuff that you don't really need, you better not do that. Hello? You know, others may eat out at a restaurant. You can't do that because that's all you got. That's all you have. And it's linked with your security. And so God wants you to know what time it is. He wants this church to know what time it is. And you've had enough information in the past to tell you what time it is. But it's possible to live like Time will always be there. If I visit a home and I'm going to catch a plane at a certain time, our enthusiasm is a lot different. The person who does not have to catch a plane, their behavior is different from mine. I'm almost anxious to get out. I am trying to get there fast. I mean, this guy lives to eat this thing easy. You have a coffee. And me, I'm trying to get. Get out of here because I want to go on the ride. The world, the world does not see no danger, hear no danger, feel no danger, believe no danger, and therefore are unprepared. Untouched, unmoved, will not do a thing about it. I mean, here's Jesus Christ. One group want to push him on the cliff, and one want to touch him. What a difference in attitude. One picked him up and called him Lord, and one called him Beelzebub. What a difference in attitude. So I'm saying tonight that God wants you to go back in your study. Sorry, you've got a lot of materials. I'm not sure if you can still find them. But you should. 
Let's go back and check them out and see. Am I on target? Was the Word of God correct in what I've learned? Where am I today in time? Now, I remember when I got saved, a lot of things I heard were not yet being transpired. And today they're happening. They're happening and happening in great, great, great volume and great quantity. And yet people act like nothing is taking place. So, 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus is talking strictly to Israelites. He's talking to Israelites. And we don't have time to read the whole thing. I'm telling you what goes on there. We are not in the four gospels right now. We are in the, the part of the teaching of Jesus Christ about his imminent return. You know, we can we can waste time and talk about his birth. Go ahead if you want to. You know? And you know, you can talk about his death and all that if you want to. That's fine. But I'll tell you he's not dead. He's alive. You can spend a whole sermon, a whole year talking about his death, but don't leave him in the coffin. <laughs> He's up and out. Amen. The most powerful ministry of Jesus Christ was not his death, it was his resurrection. It was the resurrection, I mean, the distinctiveness. Now, Jesus here is, is really giving the Israelites a, a scouring on their uh, performance. He's calling them names that us to call you, you'd be upset. But this one thing he called him in verse 13. What do you call him? What do you call him? Come on, folks. What do you call him? He called him what? Hypocrites. In verse 16, what does he call him? Blind. Right? And the word hypocrites is used several times. Now that's the way Jesus felt about them. And the reason why he's saying that, they knew who he was. But did not know the impact it would have on them. Because today, just by, in verse 37, rejecting Jesus Christ, they're now in a situation where they're in a quandary. It says here, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? You that kill the prophets and stone. He said, no, your house is going to be left, what, desolate. Why? They did not know the time of their visitation. And that's what I talked to you about. Visitation. God, when He turned from the nation of Israel, He visited the Gentiles. And that's why we're all saved tonight. Thank God. We're saved because Jesus visited us. Salvation, He preached unto the Gentiles and gave us a chance that Israel wasted. Now, if I visit your home, do I live there? Do I stay there long? <laughs> because the time, it's time to go. If they don't go, you push them out there and stop feeding them, right? You would draw the blades. <laughs> right? Lock the door. <laughs> no more soap, no more <laughs> cosmetics. I mean, it's time to go. Now, Jesus Christ has turned to the Gentiles. But before he did that, in chapter 23, he described the condition of religion, which was the temple worship, and the worshipers, and talked about it. Now, church, they have not changed. They have not changed. 
The 24th chapter is split into two portions. <coughs> Jesus on the Mount of Olives. All right? I think where he was. And he's talking to his disciples. So in verse 3 on the Mount of Olives. You've been there. You've been on the mountain. And you can look toward where the temple should have been. And they began to ask him for signs. Well, that's what the Jews always does. Paul says, the Jews seek what? Signs. But the Greek seek what? Wisdom. So the Greek are seeking God after head knowledge. And the Jews said, show me a sign. Before I believe him, they said, no, you won't get either. The only sign you're going to get in wisdom is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and the sign you want to have. Everything about Jesus is a sign and he's the wisdom of God. Now, in 24th chapter, I'm going to ask you the question. Just read down from verse 1 to verse 14. I want you to take the time tonight and do your own map. Trace the map. This is the road map to the end. We're going somewhere. Where are we in that situation? The stones that we saw at Mount of Olives, brethren, are not the original stones. Because Jesus said, not one shall be left on top of another. Yet we saw a bunch of stones pile up. And they said, that's, that's Solomon's temple. Or Eris' temple. And we know that it cannot be true. Otherwise, Jesus', Jesus word did not come to pass. Am I correct? Jesus said, not one stone. So that's deception right there. Look at verse 3. They said, tell us when you're going to come, Jesus, and give us a sign. You have to know the answer Jesus Christ gave. And if you listen to the reports on our radio, our, our communicators, they're telling you that the world is not going through a normality. Things aren't as they used to be. Second Peter chapter 3 says, they said all things continue as they were from the beginning. Is that true? Every country, every part of the country in the world is telling us something. Nature is being used as a sign. When those birds start flying south, nature is talking to them. They're not traveling blind. There's a magnetic field that they travel along. The magnetic field of the sky, and they follow it. They're not on their own. They're not as smart as you think. They're following a magnetic field. The salmon fish. It's not just following his own little wisdom. No. There's a, a field in the water that he stays in that stream and going to lead him to his, his birthplace. Are you with me? All right? So Jesus Christ is giving them some sun. Now, we talk a lot about those things. You should know. You should be saying to yourself, just like they told me. That's right. Or, if you were to be, for the first time, traveling on land to somewhere, maybe the port, and they give us some road signs. You're looking for those signs. Those signs tell you how close you are to your destination. And I got word for you. I believe we're closer than we know it. I believe we're closer than you know it. Know that the Lord promised us He would put none of the disease of, of, of Egypt on us, but He didn't say we wouldn't feel the beginning of sorrow. 
feel some of the sorrows. Amen. The take you that no man deceive you. Who are you talking to? The eleven disciples. Not the crowd. He's talking to a private group. I know this confuse you. You think he's talking to the whole world. No. He's talking to 11 men, 11 men that were with him. Let no man deceive you, for men shall come in my name. They're not coming in the name of Jesus. They call themselves Messiah or the Christ. They didn't say they would come and say, I'm Jesus. No, he said, they're coming saying, I am Christ. That means two, well, two things. Either they're saying they're Christ, or they're saying Jesus is Christ. Hello. But whatever way you want to look at it, it's deceptive. It says, let no man come and deceive you, for many shall come and say, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. In other words, credibility. If I'm not known, and Sister Nietzsche is well known, in Timber 2, and I'm going to go there for a job, I use her name as a referral. I get a job based on her credibility. So the world can't come and deceive everybody, so they use the name of Jesus. But which Jesus are they talking about? It's not the true Jesus. And a lot of people are falling for it. We're seeing this deception is already in place. It's in our city. Do you know there are people among us who have been rebaptized in the name of Yahweh? You know that? Yeah. A lot of you guys don't know. But it's out there. Verse 6, you say you have wars and rumors of wars. Do you hear those things? What are they happening? Actual wars and then rumors of wars. Why aren't you concerned? Does it mean anything to you? For all this year, it must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we know today is not the end. But one guy said, end, you know, end in certain death. I said, no, you're wrong. You don't know that. The Bible said, you don't know. Verse 7, are we seeing this? Nations shall rise against nation. Read the rest of it, please. Hey, read it for me. If you have alpha, please. In diverse places. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes, in diverse places. I mean, many places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, if that's true, what kind of person should we as Christians be? If you really believe this is true, and if you believe this is being fulfilled, how should you behave? Well, if I hear over the announcement, says, Last call! We're about to close the door! Which I always say, for someone who's late coming in, this is the last call. We're about to close the door. I've seen people run, run, run. And when they got there, they were to close the door and they would not open it. The policy is once the door is closed, you don't open it. Now, so, are we impacted by this scripture? Do we realize that we are actually living in this environment? Folks say, well, it happened before. No, no. Because we got people who are historians telling us how many centuries ago this didn't happen. And now we're sending records around the world. Men are at their wits' end. Look at verse 7. Nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Right? And there's going to be famines, 
test the land, like we experienced tonight. Earthquakes in David places. All these are being of sorrow. I wonder how many of you say to Jesus, Jesus, you promised that this thing would not be a problem for us. Well, if you don't say it, that's your problem. But I applied it to my life. Because he said, look, I make a difference between you. you got hope. They don't have any hope. Now, verse 9, verse 9, all down is not about you. Right? The Jews, the apostles went through this. And it says that false prophets surround. But who's a false prophet today? Who are they? We call them preachers, evangelists, great workers, flamboyant guys. Hello? Just standing in a circus. <laughs> Is that right? They're colorful, charismatic. But yet people are falling for this. And they shall hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. I need to tell you how many people in the news have lost their lives living in false messiah. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of men shall wax cold. Is that happening today? Is it happening? All right? But well, he'll endure to the end, the same shall be saved. The word endure means you're going to have to experience some of these things. And if you do, you're going to be saved only if you. You can't deal with it. What does it mean? Read that in reverse. If you can't endure it, what's going to happen to you? You shall not be. You shall not be saved. All right. Read one more time. Because the word "iniquity" means rebellion. Because rebellion shall abound. The love of many shall wax what? Cold. Iniquity means rebellion. And he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Now. Verse 14. In this gospel, all the kingdoms shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. My question is, has that happened? Does it mean any preacher who preaches anything, what he's doing is counted? Is it counted? Hello? Does false gospel have any bearing on the truth? No. Now, how many guys told you how many millions God saved? Actually, Christ is a personal Savior. <laughs> how many you've heard said that? And raise their hands on television. And I'm saying by their standard, the whole world is saved. If you add it all up, there's no unsaved left. Huh? All those crusades my friend Billy has, I mean, the whole world is saved. My question is, you mean all the people who went to the meeting were not saved? Suddenly got saved? Something's wrong. All right? But you endure to the end, shall be saved. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness on all nations, then shall the end come. Now, that's where we come in. You're going to have to continue what the apostles left off doing. You're going to have to. Now, I want to go to that very quickly, but before I do that, Jesus talked about some more. He said, when you see, verse 15, and this here did happen to Titus, has destroyed Jerusalem. If you were to read Mark 13, it's even plainer. 
Mark 13 and Luke 21 gives a more clear, they all give a different aspect of the situation. I was saying, you've got to recognize these things. I realize what's going on. When I was in Jerusalem, my eyes were wide open. I was paying attention. I was listening to what they were saying. They were showing me. Amen. And some things they showed me were lies. And some were true. I knew that. <coughs> I was in the sea by them. Okay? Abomination of desolation. Spoken by a down the prophet. You guys should know what that means. We've been through that. We have said it over and over and over and over. So when you see it happening, you should know something is happening here. Okay? Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountain. You, you've been in Judea. You've been there with us. You know where the mountain is. Let him on the housetop not come down and tell anything out of this house. In other words, because what happened was Israel had provoked, provoked uh, Rome so badly that they come and destroy them. And Titus did it. Titus fulfilled verse 15, verse 20. Want to read that, please? Verse 15. When you therefore. How are those mountains, folks? Pretty high. First guy up can stop one coming up. Throw rocks down on him. <laughs> you can't make it up, right? But there are ways that Romans got up there and destroyed them all. He said, now, in verse, in verse 20, we should understand that. Pray that your flight be not in winter. Can you tell why? You can relate to that, can't you? You don't want to run right now, do you? Your flight, you don't got a car, I got a mule or donkey, or nothing, you got to walk, and we like this, it could be devastating, right? For there shall be great tribulation. Ah, if you give us a time frame here now, great tribulation. It says, except those days shorten, it goes on. Now, if you, if you keep on moving down, it says, for there shall be false prophets and false Christ. Now, you can see what happened now? Another group of false leadership. And we can understand that. Coming in the end time. We're having them every day. You will have told you. Where if any man say he's in the desert, don't go after him. And you may not know this, but in the 80s, we had a guy told us that Jesus was in the desert. A, a big sign. And these things did happen and do happen. Oftentimes, and people follow them. Alright? But Jesus says, when I come, it's like verse 27. Now, verse 29, immediately after tribulation. Look at this, folks. He says, well, there shall be great tribulation. Verse 21, and verse 25 says, I mean, uh, verse 29 says, Immediately after, now this don't tell you how long it's going to be, but we know it's seven years. Hello? Then Jesus is going to come. And he shall send his angels, verse 31, to gather Israel. 
Israel as a people gathered by angels, not by Jesus Christ. Angel, who, who is the angel? Michael. Who gathered the church? Jesus. That where I am, there you may be also. There's a difference. Now, then a parable is given to us. Now, we've been through several times before. We have church. We've given you even uh, diagrams, CDs. But these are messages that you are responsible for to take to a world that don't know. And it's not being preached. It's not being witnessed to. And the people are asking questions. What does it mean? Nobody's answering the question. We have a message. Verse 31. This is Israel being brought back from the four corners of the earth. The fig tree is blossom. We notice at the door, verse 33. Then here's verse 34. This generation, let's see verse 32, 33, will not pass. He's talking about my generation. But will all be fulfilled. I believe a generation is 70 years. If that's true, it must mean that Israel became a nation or a budding victory. I can prove to you, and we have given the reason before, that showed you that, that the victory is Israel. All the judges on all places, Abaka, show you all that, that the victory is Israel. In the gospel, Israel is that victory. And budding means spring, a new beginning. And Jesus said, when you see certain things happening to them, you know that it's coming, it's near, and we should do something about it. Now, my generation will not pass. Could it be we are at the very door while these things are happening? Would God suddenly show up and not give us some stirring work? Would he not start to wake us up? Because he's not willing to answer prayers. Huh? Noah went in the ark and waited seven days. That was a sign. They knew he was in the ark for seven days. They get out. They watched him. Has God changed? I don't think so. This generation shall not pass. It will all be fulfilled. Every generation shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Then he says in verse 36, No man know the day of the hour. Now, he described it's going to be as the days of Noah. Verse 37. You don't know what Noah day is like or was like unless you read Genesis. You've got to read it. you to read Peter's account of the days of Noah in June. What he says. Right? For as in the day before the flood, here's how they lived. God didn't say that's a sin. They just did at the expensive thing for God. They're putting social issues ahead of God. It is abandoning God. That's what they did. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, I mean divorce, until the day that Noah entered the ark. They saw him build it. But they knew not till the flood came and took them all away. So also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. So we know exactly what's going to happen the world will be snared. Right? They go and say, two in the field, one taken, and the other left. Think about that. 
Truman shall be grinding. You saw the grinding mill in Jerusalem. You folks saw that. You saw it, you saw it in, in Greece also. You saw that. That built big wheels. Remember that. You saw that. One shall be taken and another left. Watch therefore, for you know what hour your Lord doth come. Didn't say you know the season. So you don't know the hour. Or 10 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you don't know. But know that if the good man knew what time the thief would come, he wouldn't have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not, he said, he's coming. That's amazing. He said, we are not going to think this is the day for him to come, and that's when he's going to come. So, it's going to be a shock and awe. A lot of folk will be caught off water. What he's saying right here. Then here, talk about our stewardship. Who that is a faithful and wise servant, who is Lord make ruler over his household, to give them meat. That's where we want to take you. There is where we're supposed to be. Verse 45, verse 51. We should be thinking right now, every one of us, about the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, then is coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and those things are happening, and eat and drink with the drunkens. The Lord, that servant, shall come in a day when he look not for him, in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him. Oh, oh. For me, that's very interesting. Shall cut him asunder. What does that mean? Coming too. Hello? Go. Come right into And appoint his portion with the hypocrites. Now, who did God call hypocrites before? Jews. Gentiles. That mean they'll be left behind in the great tribulation. They go through great, great sorrow and grief. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Think about it. Now, I believe. I believe personally, my personal belief, 
that we're going to be judged exactly as the 25th chapter of, of, of Matthew. Take a look at it. Look at the layout. Look at the layout. We shall overcome this cold, folks. I come as far without any shots, I'm okay. <laughs> what do you notice here, folks? I see virgins. Right? I see here. Also, verse 14, I see servants. I see also, I see also, uh, sheep and goats. Ask for beside you, are you a sheep or a goat? What do they say? <laughs> Are you a sheep or a goat? Now, I personally believe the rapture will be the last judgment a believer is going to face. Every time there's preaching, there's judgment. Judgment begins in the house of God, First Peter 4, 37. It begins there. That's why you couldn't go to church. Because when God's word is spoken, you give a chance to repent. And Paul said, the forsaking of ourselves is an untimely act because the day is approaching. And what day? The day of Christ. And people who don't go to church, there are people right now in the city who could go to church and do not go to church, and they got a problem with the 10th chapter of Matthew, of Hebrews. Not forsaken. And, you know, what are they doing? Marrying, getting married, drinking, and carrying on. They're doing all the things that Jesus mentioned, and they don't know them. And they forsook the house of God. I mean, God didn't have any believer left in the days of Noah. They were all gone. You're in the fifth chapter of Genesis. So many people lived on earth, and all he could get is only eight people? Only eight souls? That's amazing. Five cities? He couldn't find ten worshippers? That's bad. What happened here too? And people say to you, what makes you think you're the only one that's saved? I suppose they told Noah the same thing. But God said only eight souls were saved. Hello? The virgins is what God called us. Chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. you got to know that. The high priest can only marry a virgin. I believe that the vessel speaks of a lot about our, our, our temple, <coughs> the body, which we are. I believe the oil represents the Holy Ghost. And the light represents, are you influencing the world? Are you part of the darkness? Are we involved in evangelism? Are we involved in soul winning? Are we involved in trying to reach people for Christ? Because we are ambassadors trying to Beseech people in Christ's stead. Noah <laughs> have a design of a boat and a message to preach. He's a preacher of righteousness, but no one believed him. And they died. We know they're in hell because we're told in First Peter 
that they were in hell crying out to God when Jesus died and he said no we, I waited on you a long time you didn't turn around right so a lot of backsliders out there they're going to use their time too bad we're out of time and the visit will be over he's gone so the virgins are us do we have trim life are we pruning our walk with God does it matter that I'm, I'm undefiled does it matter that I'm belonging to Jesus alone does it matter that I've got the right garment on does it matter that my vessel is filled right up with the Holy Ghost does it matter and am I ready to go meet him if he should call me now because after death comes judgment after death comes judgment and I said we must all appear before the generation of Christ meaning saved people but if you don't and are not saved to go where Jesus is then the next throne for you or me or anybody else is the white throne the white throne for people that missed the mark they're not saved so five were wise and five were foolish so the chances are 50% of professing Christians are not going to be ready just like when you go evangelize work for God only one fourth of your effort will come back bringing sheaves with you you're going to lose the first three we have to endure that and realize there's a fourth ground out there useful purposeful God will bring them out but if you quit early it's not going to happen hello and so I believe right now this church, the Tavern Praise Church, should be focusing on the 25th chapter of Matthew. Your entire prayer life, your entire dream and desire, if, if, you're, if you're smart, and I, know, I know you are, you should be focusing on, Lord, what about my vessel? Is it lit? Am I influencing my world? Am I part of the darkness? Do I have enough to take me through the journey I'm going on? When you call for me, will I be ready or will I be delayed? Because those who were ready, the door were shut. And here's the sad part. Those who were not ready went to get some kind of oil somewhere. I'm not sure what they got, but they came back with something. And the Lord says, I don't know you. You are what? Workers of what? Iniquity. He got rid of them. He said, look, the door was shut. He said, I never know you. We didn't have a, a relationship. <coughs> it said it would be that way in verse 12 and 13. So nobody who's a Christian should be shocked at their experience when they leave this world. They should know exactly where they're going. And I believe they know. A second after they do that. Amen. If they're saved, they'll go to the judgment seat of Christ. Why? For God to examine your fruit. He will examine your fruit. He said, if all you built on it was hay, stubble, and paper, with a five-gallon tester, burn it up. But if you built silver and gold, that means you put kingdom thing ahead of ordinary thing, then you have a reward. But the first one is scarcely saved. 
In other words, they mean anything, but they got no reward. Think about it. So it won't be equal in heaven. You go down here and fight for position, but in heaven, you went based on your contribution to the cause of Jesus Christ. So right now, when all these diseases and RN flu going around, it doesn't bother me. I just clear my scripture says, God, you promised me this, 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 this. But my, my goal is not to curse the weather or curse the disease because this is God's doing. This is the finger of God. And all the scientists can't tell me what's going on because God told me it's going to happen this way. Pestilence and disease is what's happening right now to the world. The next group of people you want to be judged according to, unlike, is the one with the talents. The Lord says he gave them based on their ability. Verse 15. Now, that's the condemning factor right there. That's the commending factor there. God did not delegate to you above and beyond your competence. In other words, you have ability to do what I ask you to do. You may not do it. You may chose not to fulfill it. And you may go some other route. But God says I gave it to you based on your ability. I don't know your ability. Only God knows that. I don't know if you gave your best to God or not. Only God knows that. I don't know. God knows. The woman who gave a farthing, Jesus commanded her giving. When everybody was giving great amounts, and he wasn't condemning the giving of great amounts, he talked about her level of commitment to what she was doing. She gave from her need. And she had nothing left. She gave all. She doesn't know that God is watching her. I don't believe she knew Jesus said about her. She went home unknowing, but she went home more justified. Because God said she gave more. So it's not the quantity, but it's the quality of what you do for Christ. Amen. And so we all going to be judged based on that. So God gives us the time to invest. Now, you, you heard a brother play the, the, the piano today, yesterday. We heard a beautiful playing. Oh, man. It's just awesome. You heard it? Caleb? I was challenging you to play that way. I challenged you to do that. Amen. It was, I mean, heard of it. It was awesome. I mean, just But that don't give me the right to throw in my skill because it doesn't match up to that one. Hello? If I'm in David's group, I may be allowed to do the high praise or the low praise. But I'm still praising God. The high silent praise or the low praise. I'm going to give it. And I'm not in competition. You may be with me, but I'm not with you. Because I've given it to the Lord. And the Bible says, this man had ability several ability, verse 15, and the Lord left him, here's delegation right here, left him in charge based on his competence level. So God never, never put us in a level where we can't function. God never put you in a, where and guide you where he's going to provide for you. God doesn't lead you where he doesn't feed you. And some say, well, look, all the doors are shut on me. I don't believe it. No, no, no. Get with it, man. Something's wrong here. you you got to go check this thing out, man, because God didn't send you, he can't feed you, or give you a mission where there's no provision. It just don't happen. 
and you can talk all you want. This guy did. This guy kept all, everything he had. I said, look, man, well, you know what? I'm going to bury it. We don't know how long he waited. But it was a long time, a straight uh, his journey, I mean Jesus Christ. And he went, and one traded, and ended up with $26,400 he earned. That's what some guy said. It was five talents. Next one gained 10500 what he earned. Amen. And it was his large money and failed to make 5280 My Lord. Missed opportunity. I don't believe sermons are given for us to waste. I believe God talked to us up to the walls. Thank God for a building to worship him. But God hold you and me responsible for what we deliver. And uh, thanks to Jen for talking for me today. How many pages? Fifteen pages? Now my arms are hurting me from writing. So I'm like, I ain't writing no more. It's falling apart. My joints are that, you know. <laughs> the lubrication is going out of it. It's all care you typists. Huh? Okay, so you know my uh, my shoulder says you can't do no more because it's just being worn out from running. The muscle overworked. But let's think about a new convert. A new convert, when they just come in, the first six months they're happy, they're excited, they're full of joy. It's discovery, eureka. And the church is not smart enough sometimes to capitalize on it. And you know what we're trying to do? Try to dress them up, dress them down, and then they can't fight. David couldn't go to battle with things he never was familiar with. Saul put his garment on him. He said, I can't do it. I can't use it. I mean, Saul was good intention. Saul wanted to have him up. You know, Saul wanted him to survive. And we we tell somebody who's new, you know, leave you here alone. You know, keep their pants off and all that stuff. You mean good. But you know what? They can't fight battle that way. Because they haven't proven what you're talking about. They have not proven what you're talking about. They don't know they don't fight that way. They don't know how to fight. Fall with their nails. <laughs> they're disorganized, but they're dangerous. Hello? Hello? And they win souls for Jesus. Now, why don't they win souls? Because when they come in, we do what, what uh, Jacob says. Jacob says, look, Esau... These are young. I can't drive them. The journey's too long. They're going to be hurt. Hello. So, the talent, when he came, he called them and asked them to give an account of their stewardship. Read that story. You and I must always have this in mind. Don't worry about me and the saints. We ain't going to be one of the blessed of God. Because verse 27 says, You ought to put my money... Two exchanges. And God said, you missed an opportunity to bless me. And you could have. He never lost it. He kept it. He kept it. That's why the lesson we had here. Ministry and position is two different things. You can have a position as a teacher or a ministry of a teacher. I'd rather have a ministry of a teacher than a position of a teacher. Because one is giving sermons... One's giving a message that pray over and cry over. 
and they're not just reading off the board and, you know, just reading off to you. I mean, I could do that tonight too. But it's not going to help you. I come from the heart. We're spirit. Amen. We can't take everything in this Bible one night. We can't. But give me enough to stimulate me. To, to, to give me joy. Yeah. Praise God. And the last one is the king. The king and the sheep and the goat. Goat means you can't lead them. Sheep will follow. Let's stand. I probably trying to keep you long because the flu went around. But I failed to do that. I want to say this to that church. I want to be a sheep. You can't lead a goat. If you ever correct a goat, I promise you, don't you turn your back on that goat. <laughs> Is that true? What are you going to do? You're going to knock you down. <laughs> he, he doesn't forget. So you turn your back. Bam! <laughs> I only knew that. Oh, yes. A goat will not forget that you hit him. Or just until him. They'll come back at you, friend. And you wait till you turn your back and knock you right down. <laughs> they will. But a sheep won't do that. And so, the Lord says, Enter thou in the jaw of the Lord. I believe when the rapture takes place, we go to be with Jesus, and we come to the judgment seat of Christ, where God gives you reward. All that time you're in church, and all the effort. What we don't want to be is, we don't want to be an empty vine, so the edge can be removed from us. We don't want to be like a fruitless Ephraim, who never excel for God. Or slothful servant, you have to demote. We don't want to be a barren fig tree that curses. Or a barren ground that's unproductive. Choked tree. No. All that Jonah will got forces. I want to be in chapter 25. When I'm working for God, I always have that in mind. Because that's where we're going to end up. Now, if you have time in your private study, go to the book, the first four chapters of the book of Revelation. Read it. Observe it. Don't start going deep theology. Just read it. And watch Jesus Christ and His church. He's talking to you and me. We've been to those places. Smyrna. We've been to Ephesus. We've been to some of those places. And you saw where they used to be. Now, church, they're history. They either corrected what God told them, or they just act like a goat and die. Amen. But please, know what time it is. Know when the visitation is over. Jesus Christ is about to leave the Gentiles. And the signs of time are telling us, this is it. The weather, the winter, not only here, but in, 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 in Latin American country, it's off the scale. It's not 100 degrees Celsius, it's 200. I mean, is it fire or Celsius? 200, it's just hot. It says, too hot, they're rioting. The government can't solve it. Countries are fighting. Israel are being forced. Hello? It's not a peace treaty. And a whole lot more stuff I could tell you. But you know this thing. 
Let's work for God this year. Let's purpose in our heart that I want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. 